If you're able, please stand up for the reading of God's Word. And we're in James chapter 5. We're almost done with James. So we're going to read James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. God's word says, Come now, you rich people. Weep and well over, your, over the miseries that are coming on you. Your wealth has rotten, and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have stored up treasures in the last days. Look, the pay you have withheld from the workers who moved, who, who moved your fields cries out. And the outcry of the harvesters had reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and have indulged yourselves. You have fanned your hearts to the day of slaughter. You have con- condemned. You have murdered the righteous who does not resist you. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray that God will speak to us this morning through His Holy Word. Heavenly Father, I come before you, Lord, this morning, Lord, asking you, Lord, to speak to us through your Holy Word, Lord. Um, this is a tough message, Lord. It's um, a message for just the church in America in general, Lord. We are so um, wealthy and rich, Lord. We have so much, Lord, possessions and material things. And, Lord, we're just blessed people, Lord. But let it not be our God, these possessions, Lord. Let you be our God, Lord. Let us... Live sacrificial lives, loving you, Lord, and serving you, Lord. And uh, I pray, Lord, you will speak to us this morning through your holy word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So my question to you this morning is, what do you have that was not given to you? What do you have that was not given to you? In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says that we must become like children if we are to enter the kingdom of heaven. I don't believe that means we must go back to being like little kids with diapers and, you know, bottle and all that. But I'm more inclined to believe that we're supposed to realize that we're already there making a mess of ourselves all the time. As adults, we mess up, right? Just like kids do. We don't... We, 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 we don't live, you know, sometimes mature, in maturity as we should as adults. Making a mess of ourselves all the time. We are s- such prideful people, pretending that our diapers are not full, pretending we don't stink. Running away from our Father who wants us, who wants to help us, as we say, I don't need you, I'll do it myself. In our pride, we believe that we have much more than we do than we do figured out ever since the garden of eden we have declared ourselves independent and secure when in reality we're desperately dependent and in need are we dependent and in need of god yes. Yes. yes your children are desperately who's a parent here raise up if you're a parent i'm not a parent but parents right i'm a child though i'm a, I'm a, I'm a son your child are desperately dependent upon you for everything would you not say that's true If you don't provide them food, what happens to them? They will starve. If you don't provide them clothing, what happens to them? They will freeze. 
If you don't give them a place to sleep, they will suffer. If you don't encourage your boys, if those who are dads have boys, you give them a smile, a high five, or a well done, they will be insecure. Who has daughters? If you have daughters, you want to cuddle and speak to your daughter's beauty in such a way that she can see and then she will not feel loved. How much more are we children when compared with the infinite Father who loves us? How much more do we depend on Him for everything? For our needs, our acceptance, our security, our joy, and our very identity. So we say, give Him my heart. Keep your hands off my money. I'm convinced we don't really believe we need God to save us as much as we think stuff will save us. And we'll listen to pastors talk about moral living, but don't, care, don't, don't dare start talking about practical living, even though Jesus himself talked about practical living more than anyone. In other words, I'll give him and his church my heart, but keep your hands off my money. This is going to be one of those sermons where you assume or you hope I'm speaking to someone else. <laughs> James is going to start talking about our money, the rich people, quote-unquote, right? The rich people. Of course, no one thinks they're rich. And there are a few people in this church who do not idolize money. But for the rest of us, you're like the rich young ruler. He loved to talk about good behavior, like being sacrificial, but when it really meant sacrificing the very thing he loved the most, money... He failed. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19. Nineteen verse twenty three. And the title that says Possessions and the Kingdom. So it says, Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So verse 1, a call to repentance in James chapter 5. James is going to begin his sermon with a call to repentance. So that, so that is what I'm going to do myself. And more than half of you are going to ignore it because you believe that being rich is a particular tax bracket, an income level, or a career choice. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking to people who find meaning in the gospel, which is the good news and promises of stuff. Instead of the gospel of Jesus. You are acquiring wealth, arranging your life in such a way to get a bigger house, a better job, a newer thing. Because you believe that. And you believe and you live as if life is all there is. And we are all searching for meaning and for purpose. Acquiring wealth is to cure the problem of meaningless is like drinking coffee to solve the problem of exhaustion. Who drinks coffee here? I do, I love coffee, and I should have it because it gets me anxiety, but if you're tired, you drink coffee, and it gives you going, right? It gives you the energy. 
but it doesn't remove the fact that you're, you could be tired still, right? It will mask the problem for a time, but it will never ultimately cure it. You fail to understand that your life and all that is in it has a primary purpose to glorify God. Everything does. Your life, your pain, your joys, your stuff, your home, your marriage, your children. God did all of those for His glory, your prayer, your words, your thoughts, even your evangelism has the primary purpose of bringing God glory. Amen? And therefore, anything that you have is God's. You're delusional if you think anything you have is actually yours. You might say, but I've worked so hard for what I have. When other people were unwise with their money, I was wise. When others wanted to play, I worked. I say you're pretty arrogant as a person to believe that what you have is your own and of your own efforts and as a result of simply hard work. Let's go to Exodus, Exodus chapter 4. We're going to be covering a lot of Bible today. <clears throat> Exodus 4, 11. This is Moses. God is speaking to Moses here. And verse 11 says, Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? So God created our mouth. God created everything about us. All is a gift. Everything good is from God. Your mind your education, your abilities, your capacity to grow, your desires to understand, your muscles, your fingers, your ability to walk, to run, to swim, your gifts of music, your ability to dance, your family, your history, your family history, your personality is from God for His glory. Amen? Amen. We all have different gifts and different talents and we got to use them for God, for His kingdom. So miseries that are coming. Let's go to, um, oh, let's stay there. James says that if you don't change the way you live, especially with your wealth, you will experience misery. Because those who persevere and put and pursuing anything other than God, which could be money, sex, wine, any other aspect of creation, ends up getting what they want. You'll pursue it all the way to the point of howling hell. Let's go to Luke chapter 16. And in Luke chapter 16, we're going to be verses 19 through 31. And it's the rich man and Lazarus. You guys heard that story, right? Yep. I'll just read a few verses. It says, there was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, feasting lavishly every day. But a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, was lying at his gate. He longed to be filled with what? felt from the rich man's table, but instead the dogs would come and lick his sores. One day the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. 
The rich man also died and was buried. And when in the torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side. Father Abraham, he called out, have mercy on me and, I, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am agony in, his, in this flame. Son, Abraham said, remember that during your life you received your good things, just as Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted here while you are in agony. Besides all of this, a great chasm has been fixed between us and you so that, you, so that those who want to cast over from here to there cannot Neither can those from there cross over to us. Father, he said, then I beg you to send him to my father's house because I have five brothers to warn them so that they also won't come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead comes to them, they will repent. But he told them, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. So we see there that a rich man had, he was living in his riches, he died and he went to Hades, and the poor man went to the Abraham's bosom. So verses 2 and 3 says the hoarding of wealth. Let's go back to James, James chapter 5. Verses 2 and 3 says, Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eating. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you. And will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasures in the last days. In verses 2 and 3, James gives us a, a general overview of the heart of the problem. The rich hoard their wealth. What does it mean to hoard? Just store it up. They are acquiring wealth and stockpiling, accumulating and collecting as opposed to giving, dispersing, and sharing. Their coins are corroding because they are not used and their clothes are being eaten by moth because they are not being worn. The sin of hoarding is de denying the proper use of wealth, wrongfully trusting in wealth and presuming that you will live to use that wealth another day. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 17. Verses 17 and 18. Are we there? Amen. It says, Instruct those who are rich in, present, in the present age not to be arrogant or to set up their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may, may take a hold of what is truly life. Amen? Amen? So evidence of laying up treasures, these guys are putting their faith in what? In what? In that which corrodes. In the Greek, the same word is used for corrosion and venom. So, It's the idea of an unwanted poison seeping out of something. The truth is that everything in this world corrodes, does, not, does it not? There are some that will say, yes, most important thing is relationships. You'll say, oh, well, relationships are more important. In reality, even relationships corrode and even poison us if we're in the wrong ones. 
There's one thing, one person who does not change your faith, and that is Jesus Christ himself. Amen? Jesus himself warned us, warned his listeners about this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6 again, verses 19 and 21. And it talks about God and possessions. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there is your heart will also be. So where is our treasure? Where are we storing up our treasures? On this earth or on heaven? Something to think about, right? There is no sin in being rich. So there's no sin in being rich. I'm not, if you guys are, I hope you're not hearing that from me today. The sin is always in how it is obtained and how you use it and what place does wealth, that wealth takes in our hearts. The danger of wealth, however, is that it provides an earthly cushion that can often dull us in the spiritual urgency we're called to live in. It often opens the door to carelessness and insensibility to others in need. And in the end, it denies the gospel of Jesus. Let's go to verses 4 and 5 in James. James then moves beyond the general overview into a more specific description of exactly what happens when someone is guilty of using wealth wrongfully. He says, Behold! Here is the evidence of laying up treasure on, on earth of how it looks like. Behold the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you have kept by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. So what is he saying there? You have defrauded. James gives us a specific example from this context of what someone who lays up earthly treasures lives like. And in James' context, the harvesters and workers are being defrauded. So they're not getting paid. The Old Testament taught in Deuteronomy 24 that people were to be paid their wages the same day they worked. But these men are keeping back the payment, either not paying what they owe or not paying on time or not even paying at all. So they're, they're, they're not, they're going to die, they're going to starve. Why? Because of greed, the rich define as those who possess wealth and not for the love of Jesus, making decisions on what is most profitable and not necessarily on by what, what is right or radically loving. People become tools and right becomes situational. Now, not all of us have businesses or fields with workers underneath us. We're not all business people here. But we all know that what it means to be obsessed with making money to the point that people become opportunities. Every friend is a client. And every contact we sign negotiable if not working for us. Have you guys ever been like, approached by someone in like network marketing or some sort of company trying to like pyramid scheme you guys? That's not very loving, is it? <laughs> you have lived luxury and self-indulgence lifestyles. Now, not all of us are greedy. There are many people who live, who give to others, and at the same time, even among those who give, 
We are guilty of living luxuriously. Literally a soft life. So the question is not whether I am rich or I'm poor. Most of us think we're what? Middle class, right? Because we don't like to claim that we're either. We're not, we don't like to say we're rich or poor. We like to say we're middle class in the middle. The life of a rich is a life of pleasure, a life without self-denial, not necessarily corrupt in every way, but certainly will to sin if it promises comfort and enjoyment. It is the very opposite of living like Jesus. I am not suggesting we vow to poverty. So I'm not saying today, be poor, you know, sell everything you have, keep one pair of clothes, take one shower a week, walk to work, eat top ramen, save money. I'm not saying that today, so don't, don't think that I'm saying that, and that's just jokingly. The question is, are you living sacrificially? Is your faith costing you something? Let's go to Mark chapter 12. Twelve verse forty one. Are we there, man? And this is the widow's gift. So this is the story of Jesus observing a widow giving a gift. Sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. For they all gave out of their surplus, but she gave out of her poverty, has put everything she had, all she had to live on. Is that sacrificially living, giving? And that is our example that Jesus wants us to see. You have fat in your hearts. There are two meanings here for the, for the day of slaughter in verse 5. We are either feasting or being slaughtered. The rich of this world are less interested about feeding anyone else and more interested about feeding themselves. There is an image of eating and eating and eating, not knowing that you are simply fattening yourself for the day of slaughter. And in that day you will be selected to die because you, have, you are obese, you're the obese feast and the thin ones are safe. We fatten ourselves on all kinds of things other than the glory of Jesus. Will we not say that? None of them satisfy, but, but they are certainly make us fat. They were ripe for the slaughter. What are you fattening yourself with? Think about it. Are you fattening yourself with relationships that you should not be in? With things that you should not be pursuing? With money, with food, with pleasure, what is it that we're seeking? Verse 6, you are a murderer. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Finally, James concludes his commendation of the rich by calling them murderers of the righteous person. Literally, the righteous one. The righteous person that James alludes to does not resist, but in fact takes the direct harm inflicted, though that person could resist with word or deed, he does not. The truth is, our treasuring of wrong things condemned Jesus. Listen to that again. Our treasuring of wrong things condemned Jesus. Let's go to Matthew 6, 21 again. Verse 21 and 24, it says, For where your treasure is, there is your heart will also be. And then 24 says, No one can serve 
two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Using your money to glorify God isn't just a good idea. It's a matter of love and hatred, of life and death. It's tough, right? It's hard, straight up. Let's end with this illustration on Matthew 26. Let's go to Matthew 26, verse 6 through 16, and then let's go to John 12, 4 through 6. Matthew 26, 6 through 16, and John chapter 12, 4 through 6. Just have your Bibles on both of those. So this account from Matthew and John of the same story. These are the same stories. We are all someone in this historical account. Our tendency is always to choose to be like Jesus, of which none of us are ever are. And though it is tempting to be serving Martha in the background, we're doing we're going to choose to the more active people in the story. So it is not my place to tell you who you are, but to ask you to consider who you are. So all I'm asking is to consider who you are. Are you married? Or Judas. Let's read verses 6 through 12 on Matthew 26. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon of Lep of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment. And she poured it on his head as he reclined. <clears throat> <laughs> So we'll read that passage, but um, let me see here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray, Lord, for um, just how my health, Lord. For if I'm not feeling well right now, I just pray that you would help me, Lord. That you would just um, give me the words, Lord, to speak your word, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you would... Um, your word, Lord, is just powerful, Lord, to, to, to speak to us, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you would um, speak to us, Lord, through your word, that you would help us, Lord. And that you would um, continue to just be more like Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.